Oh my god. It's a solo episode. How fucked do you guys feel? Welcome to the Save vs. Poison podcast. The podcast dedicated to gaming, general geekery, and enduring sobriety in an ever-maddening society. With your host, Will, and two guys that probably live under his stairs. If you're an addict, know an addict, or are just interested in exploring the outer mysteries of geekery, you're in the right place. Without further ado, let's get to the show. That's right. It's a solo episode. Yeah. Yeah, because because life without pain has no meaning, and this podcast is all about helping you guys have lives just full of meaning. Welcome back, everybody. It's Season 4, Episode 9. Tiki and Steve, they're on strike. They're trying to unionize. They're trying to get better pay. All I'm saying is that if you're... Uh, if you're trying to unionize, what is one-third of a Taco Bell family meal? We don't make money on this show. We're doing it for the fans, baby. Yeah, we're doing it for all of you. We're doing it so that when we do run down a local sidewalk here in Colorado with our pants down around our ankles, one person might notice us, say, hey... Aren't those those guys from that one thing that I maybe listened to one time? Come up to us, give us a high five, give us that validation that we need so badly. And then move on with their day shopping for, well, I imagine like bananas or something. You guys are shopping for, for, for your potassiums, right? You guys need bananas and stuff. Oh, no, the real story is uh, Steve's... Uh, welcoming back his kiddo to school and uh that was a you know that's that's always a a day of high energy and high emotion with any family i've got the same thing going on with at least one of my kids tomorrow and then tiki's got a phone call with his family tonight so he's uh a little persona non grata as far as getting the podcast done it's just there's a lot of things going on there's a lot of moving parts to all of our lives everyone Lots of moving parts. You all understand. You all have moving parts. Knees, elbows, buttholes, all moving parts. That last one just winks at you every once in a while, though. My name is Will. I'm an alcoholic. It's been two years, eight months. I'm 42 now. I had a birthday a couple weeks ago. I'm 42. And since I got ahead of my sobriety, got on it, Drop the alcohol. I gotta say, I am looking forward to my forty-second spin around the uh, the sun. You know, the 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 forty-second to forty-third year. I think this is gonna be a good year. I think that uh, that we're gonna keep working on our fitness goals. We've got more. Like the horizon is bright for all the games that we want to enjoy and play. I think right now we're in a in a really great kind of almost renaissance era for games and gaming, and. That has got me very, very excited for the future. There's so many wonderful games on the palette right now. There's so many that are coming up that are going to be fantastic to spend inordinately huge amounts of money on. That's just going to frustrate the crap out of my wife and other loved ones. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to them collecting dust down in my basement. I should be paring things down. Absolutely not, friends and family. We're kicking it up. 
we're going to start. We're, you know what? You know what I want to do? I want to get like a GoFundMe just to just to see if uh, if I can get uh, the noble patrons of our podcast and Twitch stream and YouTube channel to to all just dump oodles of money on me so that I can bury my wife in board games that never get the shrink wrap taken off of them. Right now she's listening to this going, fuck you, fuck you so bad. I don't want to do that. That sounds like a terrible idea. What about retirement in college? What about it? What about it? We already got the house. We're good. As far as retirement goes, we'll just sell it and live in a tent. We'll live off a tent for a couple of years. Although I do have like, uh, you know, on an actuarial scale, I have a, a longer lifespan now. So I guess uh, I really should be taking a look at, at trying to figure out how to how to make the, the retirement last as long as possible. Because I'm supposed to live longer now, right? I think. You start working on your health goals. You ditch the alcohol. You, you, you do the sober thing. You, you pay attention to what you put in your mouth. And suddenly, ba-boom, five extra years. Well, you got to pay for those five extra years somehow. Can't just Can't just leave it up to chance. I don't know. I think so many like uh, parents, what you really need to do, and this is parenting advice from me to you, is just make sure that your kids go into a trade school so that they can guarantee that uh, post-apocalypse can leech off of their societal importance. Because otherwise, you'll just end up as a radiation canary. Just go down to that mine. Just see what happens. Oh, your foot fell off? Could be the diabetes. I doubt it, though, since nobody's had a candy bar in 15 years. Thank you, post-apocalyptic wasteland. That's the end result, right? That's what everybody, like all geeks and gamers are like, seriously, guys, if it was the end of the of the world, I'd be just fine because I've played these scenarios out a million times in my head. I know I'm using the mocking tone, but I, I kind of feel like there are some, like, genuine nerds out there that really do kind of feel that way and i might have been one of them at one point in time you know what i have the fallout rpg not the not the computer games but i've got the fallout rpg i'm betting that i could turn that into basically just a road map for for how to live in a post-apocalyptic wasteland one force your currency upon them force your currency on everybody all right so it's going to be bottle caps you guys ready for bottle caps as the currency in the uh, the end times, I am too, buddies. I am too. So this week on the show, I we just got back from vacation. My family and I just got back from vacation. Uh, we didn't get back from vacation. Like the the SVP podcast didn't. Uh, Tiki and and Steve, I think, were home. Sorry that we didn't have anything out for you guys uh, in the week between. I know that we took a week off. Um, kind of. Kind of a little bit needed sometimes to to take that time off. This is the first ep- first week that we've actually missed an episode since our inception in February of 2021. So it's been a it's been a pretty long run of uh, of never missing a sode. So I'm actually really proud of that. Um, there was a part of me that really really wanted to get an episode recorded and then produced and then up to the YouTube's and up to the anchor. Uh, .fm servers just to make sure that you guys had something to listen to. But uh, I doubt that you guys even noticed. Yeah. Yeah. You probably just lived your lives in the standard fashion and everything was okay. But we did just get back from vacation, my family and I. We went to an all-inclusive in Mexico for a sort of a small family 
reunion style gathering. My brother and his wife and three girls flew in from Chicago. My mom and dad came, uh, my wife and two kiddos, all in Mexico, all enjoying the lovely and talented uh, Barcelo Mayo Caribe. Maya, Maya Caribe uh, was the name of the hotel that we stayed at. Um, so it's an all inclusive, which brings with it, I think, a few sort of odd obstacles to anybody in sobriety. One, there's the ticket price. So every day that we're there, because it's all inclusive, you pay, you know, a, a fee to have unlimited access to basically everything there. This includes the booze. Now, because you're drinking when you're on vacation at an all-inclusive, usually the booze part of it is like a large part of it. So once upon a time when I would go to an all-inclusive before I before I stopped drinking, all I could think was, well, you know, I got to make that money up. And how do we do that? Well, by drinking too much and then blacking out and forgetting most of the trip, right? Or not even being able to really engage with the trip in a, in a, a wholehearted way. Like the very first all-inclusive that I did was with my wife on our honeymoon. Went to a place called the Maya, uh, the Moon Palace, which is in Cancun. Really? No, Cancun? No, uh, Playa del Carmen. Really great location, uh, I'm 27 at the time because, uh, yeah, uh, is that right? Got married in 2007? Yeah. So I'm 27 at the time and I feel like I got to get my money's worth, right? So, uh, the hotel is set up, at least the one that we were at, was set up very specifically to be incredibly, uh, alcoholic, not in recovery friendly. <laughs> so, you know, four bottles of booze in your room a fully stocked beer fridge, you know, just like they really, really, you know, sort of throw it at you. And I got drunk a couple times over the weekend. Not terribly. I mean, it's just my wife that I'm there. So it's not like I'm partying with anybody. But there was a night when we met an older couple from uh, Brighton, which is a uh, town not too far from where I live right now, that uh, this older couple, like the the older gentlemen and we're talking like late 60s early 70s i mean this guy was getting after it as far as the booze was concerned uh and we started chatting and you know because we're all from colorado and um i could i remember my wife being kind of uncomfortable because the as the the evening wore on you know she was getting tired and the bullshit of me drunk and this older guy drunk uh together wasn't as amusing to her as it was to us but you know when you're deep in the in the bowels of a drunk of a, of a good session of drunk uh, your ability to parse exactly what your effect on other people uh, is just completely fucking tanks right so we end up staying up way too late drinking way too much and i i don't remember what we were drinking except that it was blue i just remember drinking blue it's like this is what the color blue tastes like and this is what the color blue does to my uh, ability to uh you know not stagger while i walk everything was a left hand turn everything didn't matter <laughs> didn't matter uh whether or not uh i had to turn right i was making four lefts to get uh to where i was going regardless of anything else. So the next day I was pretty hungover and I remember seeing him like slowly shuffling 
around the buffets. I remember the, the older dude. I remember seeing him like slowly shuffling around the, the buffets, you know, after after a night of, of drinking with, with the young kids. There's a lot of cheersing, a lot of here's to Colorado kind of moments. It was it was pretty ridiculous. But that was the first time. And I felt like I got my money's worth. The second time we went to an all-inclusive was for a 35th birthday that my wife kidnapped me. Now, this was awesome. This was actually pretty great. This is how I know that if she ever cheated on me, I'd never know it. I'd never, ever know it because she's so good at lying and manipulating. Actually, she's terrible at lying and manipulation. The fact that she pulled this off I thought was pretty amazing. And she's still, it's like a mark of pride for her to this day. So I love you, baby. This was a wonderful, wonderful birthday gift. Uh, I thought I was going for a dinner at a sushi restaurant. And then, then we started heading out to the airport and I'm thinking, all right, so it's been a couple of years since I saw one of my closest friends, a guy named Pete from uh, Southern California. Really, really great friend of mine. Um, should have had him as my, uh, um, as part of my groomsman party, but unfortunately uh, I was young and idiotic and, and didn't know that, you know, you could just tack on people to, to your bridal party. But Pete, Pete's, uh, Pete's an OG, still call him uh, the bulges, he who is bulgiest. Um, and love him to absolute fucking death. Haven't talked to him in a little while. Talked to him maybe, uh, maybe three months ago was the last time that we spoke. And it was a great, you know, hour long conversation. Anyways, um, so I thought since I hadn't seen him in so long, it's my birthday and we're driving out towards the airport that we were going to pick him up, that my wife had flown him in because that would have been cheaper than anything else. Right. Turns out she's got plane tickets. And a bag packed. And she's kidnapping me. And I still don't know. I don't even know where she's kidnapping me to. I'm just all smiles at the time. It's, it, you know, this was a lot of effort and energy put into getting me out of, you know, at least the city that I live in, you know, at least the state that I live in. So I find out later she called all sorts of people to try to make this happen. She called my physicians that I was working with at the time, because I had already transitioned to being full time as a private surgical assistant, which means that basically the, the relationships that I have with the surgeons that I work with, uh, are one-to-one. I don't go through like an agency or anything. They say, Hey, can you show up at this time and date for this procedure? I say, yes, I can, or no, I can't, depending on the other things that are on my schedule and, you know, have at, and that's it. So she called all of my surgeons, said, hey, Will's not available during this period in time, called uh, the Kaiser folks to make sure that I wasn't going to take any per diem cases for them. And uh, eventually, um, you know, we get to the we get to the airport and I still don't know where I'm going. I get the ticket and I don't look at it. We go through through um, through security. And this is all, you know, post 9-11. So there's uh Department of uh, Homeland Security doing their, you know, their checks. And I get up to, to him and I've got my ID and I've got the ticket, even though I haven't looked at it, I got the boarding pass. And I give them my ID and the boarding pass. And they're like, oh, Mr. Pickett, uh, uh, do you, you know, uh, you're traveling to it. I'm like, oh, no, don't tell me. I don't want to know. She's kidnapping me. And my, like my wife, God bless her. She looks at me and she's like, what? Don't tell people that. That's like saying bomb. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm smiling. Obviously. It's not that big a deal. The guy isn't reacting negatively or anything. He's, he, you know, 
raises an eyebrow because he knows the my destination. Goes, okay, well, uh, hope you have a great time. And uh, I could tell there was some sarcasm there. Well, we get to the gate and I see, you know, my wife is like, oh, don't you want to know where we're going? And I'm like, yeah, you know, surprise me. And she's like, no, you should really take a look at it because it's kind of funny. I look at it and it's like, it's Atlanta, Georgia. I'm sure that there are lots of fun things to do in Atlanta, but that was not what I was expecting. Atlanta was not what I was expecting. Uh, I don't have any connection to that city. And like I said, bet it's, bet it's probably a great city to, you know, there, there's, there's things to do in every metropolitan area of the United States. I think like, it's not like Bakersfield, California. I'm not, I'm not worried about having not a good time. And the way that my wife's brain works when it comes to travel, as long as she's going somewhere new, it doesn't really matter. She's happy with the novelty of the new, which is just fine. That's okay. Nothing wrong with it. Like she came with me to Warfare Weekend last year and we have no tie to St. Louis. None at all. And that's where Warfare Weekend is. I played miniature games. She came and took in some sites. We went to the zoo. We did a bunch of walking around some of the uh, monuments that they have there uh, around the the art museum. I think it's the art museum and had a great time. It was, it was a really, really great, uh, great weekend. I actually really liked having my wife there, uh, for warfare weekend. Um, she wants to go again this year and I'm, you know, my primary purpose is to get out and play games and meet people from the community and potentially, you know, pimp the, the podcast and the Twitch stream and everything. But having my wife there, it's like having a part of your home with you in a strange place. Like the, the worst part of that trip was I was there for an additional day after she left. And I really wish that I just gone home with her. So anyways, she kidnaps me. We're going to Atlanta. I find out the, the original, the, or the end destination is Cancun. We're going back to Mexico. Yay. And this time for whatever reason, I don't, remember doing as much drinking. There was some, you know, social drinking. I would have a little bit here and there, but I wasn't going balls to the walls like I had on the first trip when it was sort of like kid in a candy store, you know, like, but once again, it's the same sort of thing where you're at the resort and there's around every corner, a bar or a waiter or waitress who's willing to go get you beer, go get you drinks. And, you know, we're not talking about top shelf stuff. So it's once again, it's, it's about the, you know, the destination, not the journey, which is something that I talk about in the latter stages of my alcoholism as it is anyways. And since this is 35, I've only got another three more years of drinking that I'm going to be doing uh, because I, three more years, four more years, three more years. Yeah. I stopped, I stopped when I was 38. Is that correct? Fuck, it's getting, it's getting, uh, cloudy when, uh, no, uh, December 15th, 2019. So I was 39. All right. So four more years. Sorry, excuse me. 30, 35 to, uh, to, to 39 when I, when I stopped drinking. So four more years. I don't know why that I had to plumb that one from the depths of the old, the old brain elizer. So this is the first time that we've been back to an all-inclusive since then. So it's been seven years, seven plus years since I was at an all-inclusive. And this time I'm with people that are drinking. Like my wife still doesn't drink. Every single drink that she had that would have been quote unquote a fruity beach drink was just sugar water, just delicious, 
pina colada or strawberry flavored sugar water, you know, uh, virgin daiquiris, virgin pina coladas, that kind of thing. But my dad, uh, my dad still, you know, enjoys his beverages. My brother still enjoys his beverages. My sister-in-law enjoys her beverages and they didn't go to nutter butter on it. My dad, a little bit, my brother, uh, a little tiny bit. Um, but when the kids were taken care of, like my dad doesn't have any of those responsibilities. And I think that he finally started to let loose a little bit, knowing that, one, he didn't have to have his wallet on him the entire time. And that's one of the great things about an all-inclusive resort is you if you're not leaving the premises, not having to have your wallet on you, it's kind of a – it's weirdly freeing. Like it's one of the things that I really enjoy. You just have your little bracelet on that, uh, you know, you flash to whoever it is that, that needs to see it to get into like the buffets or into the bars uh, and you get to eat and drink for free. So it was odd – going up to the bar with my brother, my brother getting, you know, whatever cocktail he wanted that, you know, they could make for him. Like, cause he's, he's a, he likes his booze pretty top shelf. And that's not how all inclusives are like a bottle of, you know, Bailey's is considered their top shelf. That's, you know, that's a 25 to $30 bottle of hooch here back in the States. And that's considered their top shelf at the all inclusive, but that's because they're trying to keep their prices down. And I totally understand that. But, um, it was weird walking up him, getting whatever cocktail. And then me saying to the wait staff or the bartender or whatever, Hey, I'll just have a, you know, I'll have a seltzer water with a twist of lime. And I said the twist of lime just to make it feel, you know, <laughs> a little closer to, uh, to appropriate for, for, for the space that I was in. One of the things that struck me, though, was the idea that it's in this place where there's so much temptation. There's so many avenues for me. Like, I don't I don't have to pay. There's no receipts. Nobody would know. I don't have my breathalyzer with me. The only way that anybody would be able to tell is by if I had some kind of uh, mood change or started acting like I was hiding something or like I was drinking. Um, the, I was able to stay on my, my workouts. So I, you know, I had a workout. So the timing works out that I'm able to do, um, three of my workouts while I'm at the resort. The facilities there were great, but that was basically the only time that I was alone was while I was working out or the walk back to the hotel room to change back into a swimming suit and then hop back into the pool. So I didn't have like a time, a lot of time where I'm by myself. There's just time with family. So it would have been more difficult to hide that kind of thing. And I'm really glad about that. But there was still a part of me that in the back of my head thought, hey, at any moment, I can go up to the bar and without leaving any kind of a trace, I can get myself an alcoholic beverage. It's not going to be good, but as we all know, I don't care about it necessarily being good. Sometimes I get a hankering for something that I want that I used to really enjoy for the sake of enjoying it. But the amount of times when I just wish that I could feel drunk again, those are, those are you know, it's 65% that to 35% the other thing. Um, you know, when I miss a specific beer, like um, every fall, the traditional German styles of beer are rolled out. The Oktoberfest, the Marzens, these are my favorite beers. They're like drinking a delicious loaf of bread that gets you to a happy, wonderful place until you start drinking too much of it. And then you feel bloated and you turn into an asshole like I do. 
I miss the German beers. I miss the German beers quite a bit. But that's one of the few things that I miss for the sake of the media that the alcohol is introduced to my system. Like, if there was a way to enjoy those traditional beers and I wouldn't turn into an asshole, I would do that. But it's not worth it to, you know, backslide and then potentially have, you know, monstrous consequences because I made a bad decision in a moment of, you know what? I just want to taste an Octo- Samuel Adams Oktoberfest. What a delicious beer. Put it in my mouth hole. Yeah. So um, there's also the like the financial thing of, you know, we paid X amount of dollars per day for me to be here. I know I'm not getting my money's worth with just the food because the food at an all-inclusive, unless you're going really, really high-end, is not anything to write home about. Now, I found stuff that was appropriate for me to eat. I actually didn't gain any weight over the weekend, or over the week. I think that's because I was able to get the, the workouts in, which I'm really proud of myself for. So, you know, take those little moments of victories where leading up to it, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to, uh, oh, this is going to suck. I'm not going to be able to count calories or control for how much food I'm eating other than, you know, trying to make sure that, that my plate sizes aren't too big and that I'm not going back for seconds and thirds. But, you know, I had some sweets. I haven't really had much in the way of sweets that weren't designed for somebody on a diet, somebody that's working to keep the amount of carbs and fat and protein in balance for a specific end. So uh, I was able to, you know, navigate a whole bunch of things over the week that I was pretty proud of myself for. But I noticed that I had to be extra vigilant. And I also wish that I'd had a bit more of a plan for when I started feeling tempted. I, one of the things that I did was I reached out to my community. I told them, hey, I'm, you know, there's a little bit of a struggle here, but for the most part, I'm always with my family, so I think I'm going to be fine. Uh, one of our family, or uh one of our community members, uh, Madstar802, uh, my boy Jonathan, he piped up and said, hey, man, so two things. One, try to do something for your sobriety, something specific for your sobriety. Now, I've talked about doing specific things for sobriety. This podcast is one of the things that I do specifically for my sobriety. The Twitch streams, I do that for my sobriety. The YouTube channel, for my sobriety. So I do at least five activities in a week that are dedicated first and foremost to me staying sober. Everything else that flows from that downstream, you know, uh, enjoying the process of being creative, um, any possible money or monetization or um, recognition that I get from that, you know, we're, we are, we are, uh, most people, I think, especially me, I feed so much off of positive uh, feedback from my community, from you guys, um, from basically anybody that, that, that's willing to step up and say, Hey, you know, uh, great job on the, on the product that you're, that you're producing. Cause this is a product. Um, I'm not selling anything. I'm just producing something, but I didn't make a plan to have anything like that while I was in Cancun. Now, like I said, I'm surrounded by family I have activities to do. I'm not terribly worried. Those little in-betweens when I went from room to breakfast, breakfast to gym, gym back to the room, 
those are the only times that I was by myself for the most part. And each one of those times was pretty short, pretty fleeting. So it's not like, yeah, you can slip up in a moment. It's not hard to do that. But I think that I did a pretty good job of mitigating when I had access to alone time. And um, here at home, I have no problem doing my plan when I have any kind of a struggle with a temptation. But when I'm out and abroad, I think that's something that I need to make sure that I am communicating with my spouse and creating before I get on site. Like, that's not something that I want to be screaming for last minute. You know what I mean? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. So, um, yeah, still sober, still keeping it on the train, uh, still tending my garden, even though I've got plenty of fertilizer to share if anybody needs some. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 it's a good trip. Uh, my family dynamic is a little bit odd sometimes, but I was really happy to be there. I was really happy to see my dad basically pretty loose. Uh, I was happy to see my brother. I love my brother a lot. He's a great source of inspiration for me. I can't think of too many people that are as adult as he is while at the same time being a lot of fun to be around. Uh, my sister-in-law constantly surprises me, and that's always kind of a joy. Like, every single time I am near her, she does something or says something that absolutely surprises me. And because of the the, the sort of cynical nature of the way that I was raised, um, I have a hard time not looking at it cynically when in actuality she's just an incredibly wonderful person. And, and I'm really glad that my brother married so incredibly well. Uh, don't get me wrong. He's a phenomenal human being, but um, I think that they're really, really well partnered up. Not that they're ever going to listen to this show. Isn't that nice? That's nice. So this week I started playing Cult of the Lamb, which is all about indoctrinating little furry woodland creatures into a cult that you started because as a lamb you were going to be sacrificed to continue keeping a dark god chained in the underworld. Listen to all those words. You play a lamb. It's very cartoony. It's very goofy. And you go through this world killing bosses and doing... It's, it's, like, it's like a Zelda game with a don't starve aesthetic that's brighter, but it's the same sort of like 2D cell shaded on a 3D play area. So you're looking down at the the map and the camera never changes but everything is two-dimensional all the all the all the creatures so imagine like a pop-up art book that's kind of what it looks like you're playing on which is kind of fun but you're managing this this cult you have to keep your followers happy you have to take from them their devotion you can do things like sacrifice them uh uh if you don't build certain things. They'll like shit all over your little land parcel that you've got. Then they'll make themselves sick. And like, it's like, damn y'all like dig a latrine or some shit. But one of the things that I'm really excited about it for though, is that it will, uh, interface through Twitch so that my, uh, the community that we have, the savers of poison community can, if they're interested, can, actively participate in the game from outside of the game. And I found that to be kind of a fascinating thing. And I didn't know about that until after 
the after I'd already downloaded and paid for the game. So this was something that um, Steve put on my radar a while ago. We played the demo on stream and had a great time. Actually, we played a couple of demos that were really good. Uh, Blood and Teeth from Warhammer 40K, which is a 2D side-scrolling shoot-em-up game, which looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to playing that. Um, but yeah, Steve turned us on to, to Cult of the Lamb. And uh, between the Zelda stuff, the city uh, building, the cult management, uh, it's all like really tongue-in-cheek and goofily dark and and very 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 sad it's very satisfying gameplay loop so far so we'll be playing that again on wednesday night's stream that'll be wednesday august the 17th we're going to be playing that uh, on that stream that's going to be a ton of fun i think um for other news in gaming we have the equipment now i think to be able to set up the painting streams i'm really looking forward to that i don't know what night we're going to do that that might be a that might be a daytime stream kind of a thing so if you're looking for some some fun painting uh, we're going to play with a whole bunch of different techniques one of my favorite painters uh, in the whole wide world is a youtuber named marco frizzoni uh, i talked a little bit about him um, here and there on the podcast, on the Twitch stream. So shout out to Marco. Uh, he has just such an infectiously kind and positive energy that is so marvelously fun to watch, coupled with an absolutely brilliant mind for painting. He takes between three and five hours to do what he considers tabletop standard that would take me hours and hours and hours and hours. Like, uh, literally, uh, I have done models the way that he has been instructing, because he, he does instruct on his channel. I've been doing models the way that he instructs, and single models will take me 10 to 15 hours, where he's doing entire squadrons of these guys within, you know, within a five-hour time frame. And that's experience, and that's planning. Like, he goes through through his entire uh, rigmarole with each one of his videos that he puts out, but he plans each one. So at this stage, he's going to be painting these 10 models with this color, so that by the time the last one is done being painted, the first one that he painted is dry and ready for the next step. So it keeps this sort of, um, you know, assembly line style of painting going. He also introduced me to a couple of different uh, concepts like painting in grisaille, which is an Italian style of painting where you block the colors out by using a black and white sketch and then painting over the black and white sketch with a with very translucent coloring so you get all of the highlights from the black and white sketch all the shadows and highlights from the black and white sketch but the transparent nature of the paint tints all of it and you get this really kind of fascinating uh result that uh, I've done on one model so far. I really enjoyed the results. We're going to do it on a couple more. I think it lends itself very much to organic and furry styles uh, or of model. And I'm, I'm, I have a couple, like, we're going to paint Beast from the X-Men from Marvel Crisis Protocol in Grisaille. I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do some deeper diving in the oil paints, which make things like wet blending so much more fun and so much easier because oil paints, uh, acrylic. So we paint two different with two different mediums, acrylics, 
which dry very, very quickly, but have pinpoint precision, and oils, which dry very, very slowly, but mix with all of the other colors around. Sometimes you want to use one or the other, and sometimes we'll use both on the same miniature. We'll throw out an acrylic layer, uh, base coating everything with the acrylics, and then paint over it with the oils, let the oils dry, and then come back with acrylics and do some of the finer detailing highlights. We're going to show all of that. So we've got some more of the equipment. We've got a, um, a camera armature. we got a new camera for doing this. We're going to set this up in the basement with the new setup. I'm really looking forward to that. I keep saying that I'm looking forward to things, but I am looking forward to things. There's so much going on. That's going to be great. Also going to get back into Elden Ring a little bit. Uh, I'm wanting to play around with some more builds. That was a game that, much like most other open world games, I feel like it's really easy to get lost in the weeds if you don't have some direction, if you just want to go wandering. Like, not all people that wander are lost, but sometimes you find somebody that's a little lost because they went to wandering. I'm one of those guys that gets lost wandering because they put so much effort into building these big, gigantic, beautiful open worlds that it makes it very tempting to just go down the next path. So you get into these larger dungeons and it's really easy to like miss stuff. But then you get out into the wider world and you're like, oh, well, I'm going to go follow these NPCs and, and find out what's going on around this, uh, over this hill. And suddenly you found something that you didn't have any clue was there exploring. And you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that the developers of this game. And, you know, From Software is one of my favorite developers. There's only a few games that have captivated my imagination as much as the the Souls uh, style games have, and nobody does them better than than FromSoft. I mean, they they started with Demon Souls, moved on to Three Dark Souls. Uh, Bloodborne was an absolute masterpiece of a game that I really wish was on PC, or uh, at least that I could you know steal from uh, steal the PS4 from my kids. But they got that motherfucker on lock. It'd be nice to be able to 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 use the the PS4 on uh, on stream, or at least the Xbox on stream, something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, I know that we got to get that up and running for Madstar. Madstar has uh, patiently waited for me to get the Xbox uh, hooked up so that we can play something online together. Um, unfortunately, I don't think he's got much in the way of a PC to watch from. I think he said old busted laptop, and that's that's okay. I just appreciate the eyes on uh, on the videos. So uh, we're going to dive back into some Elden Ring. Um, I don't know if we're going to play that on stream or not. If we do, you know, that's the problem kind of with being an, uh, a variety streamer and having gaming ADD. Like, I'm not a Fortnite streamer or a Minecraft streamer. I play whatever tickles my fancy. And right now, I've got so many games tickling that fancy. I mean, we do Hunt Night on Friday nights kind of uh regular as clockwork and i'm pleased about it. I'm, I'm happy with that that's that's fine but you know we got two other nights to fill with content and as far as playing games is concerned i got so many that i want to dive into i got so many that that i wish that would keep my attention a little bit longer and then there's only been a few that that i've really felt that i wanted to play on stream that i thought were going to have the potential viewership uh available to make streaming those part of building the brand. Like, um, and I recognize that that 
sounds a little bit cynical, like building the brand is is the end all be all. It's not. The process has to be there, but it's got to be like it's got to be a fun process. It's got to be something that catches eyes. So there's some there's some balancing that's got to be done there. I can't fucking play Fortnite. Not gonna do it. Not gonna do it. Not gonna play Call of Duty. I don't like those games, so I wouldn't play them, even though they're incredibly popular. But there's a fine line between finding popular games and finding things that I really want to play and enjoy. And that's the middle ground that I want to be in um, as far as getting the message out, because that's the that's the that's that's one of the whole points. You know, one, keep me sober two get the message out, see if I can help other people stay sober. And I think that, you know, it's been burgeoning, but uh, I'm really proud of uh, uh, not only what the podcast has done, you know, we're we hold pretty steady numbers and all of you guys listening it is super, super fucking appreciated. And then uh, the Twitch stream is, it's growing slowly. And I'm, you know, pretty friggin' happy about that. And that's, uh, those are all all right. So because it's a solo episode, though, I don't have a lot of people to bounce things off right now. I could bounce them off myself, but then that would just be me uh, looking like uh, an idiot in my closet here trying to uh, drum up tons and tons of wonderful wonderful stupid things to say uh while you guys listen to it and go this guy should stop but we'll have everybody back on next week please tune in wednesdays fridays sundays on the twitch channel you can find us on youtube as well uh with uh episodes of um, the podcast while I'm playing Ender Lilies or as I finish that game something else that'll probably be Souls or Metroidvania-ish I think we're going to keep on that tip as far as getting the YouTube channel stuff going um, but like every episode of the Save vs. Poison podcast we like to shout out to the mutual support groups we hope you turn to in your time of need Alcoholics Anonymous, AA.org, 212-870-3400. Moderation Management, moderation.org, 212-871-0974. Secular AASOS Sobriety.org, 323-693-1633. Smart Recovery, smartrecovery.org, 440-951-5357. And Women for Sobriety, womenforsobriety.org, 215-536-8026 for friends and family of an addict that need a little help in a group type setting there's al-anon family groups at al-anon.alateen.org or 1-888-425-2666 from all of us at the save versus poison podcast i'm will nobody else is here and i wish you warm creamy regards good night everybody You've just listened to another episode of the Save vs. Poison podcast. If you liked what you heard, please follow us, like, and subscribe on Twitter at VS underscore save, on Facebook at the Save vs. Poison podcast, and streaming live on Twitch at twitch.tv backslash SVP podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>